everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We're getting ready for the summer hardcourt swing. As always, we have with me my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. Steve, we got a variety of things to talk about as the summer hardcourt swing is getting started. You ready to roll? Ready to roll. Looking forward to it. I think early on in the week, we heard the announcement that uh, Novak Djokovic would be joining Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, and Andy Murray in Team Europe. The four of them never played together and for Team Europe together for Labor Cup. I will ask you this question. I have a couple of questions, but I'm going to start with this question. Will this be the last time those four will be playing slash competing at the same event pretty good chance you could say that the following year there's an outside chance Federer is wrapping up his career back in labor cup again and they all assemble but maybe more likely that this is the last time i just give it an outside chance for for 23 given that we can't really tell exactly what roger's plans are or how that knee's going to hold up next year uh, I have two more to spin off what you just said. So you've said Roger a couple times, so I will stick with this. You've heard me predict it for a while now. I hope I'm wrong, but them bringing Andy Murray and Novak along with Rafa. Will this, do you think this will, I know Roger has said he's going to play. He's going to play Labor Cup. He's going to play uh, Basel. Then he's going to hope to play another Wimbledon next year. Them bringing the four of them together, is there a chance Roger rides off in the sunset with this? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think unless he was having serious problems as he prepared for next season. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to follow up on Labor Cup in Basel and hope, hope he can get to Australia. And if there's some kind of serious setback then, but otherwise, I think he tries next year, and we, we, we're not, we're not going to know until he plays a series of tournaments and really tests the knee again. And obviously, he doesn't have long left in the game, and he knows it. But I still say there's at least a 50-50 chance we see him at Wimbledon next year, and then we're getting near the end, in my view, because it's just hard for me to imagine how he gets through four, five, six, seven matches, best of five in those majors, at his age, having been through these uh, knee surgeries, uh, different ones. And uh, I just feel like it will catch up to him, but he's so determined to try. I still see that happening. Well said. And again, I, I, while I predicted it for a while that this will be the, the Labor Cup, this may, this would be his last tournament. All tennis fans, please know, I hope I'm wrong with this, okay? <laughs> this is a prediction <laughs> I want to be wrong with. I want to see him play as long as he can possibly play um, and wants to play, obviously. My last question for you, Steve, on, on Labor Cup you know, I joked about this on Twitter. Some people said I was crazy for even throwing it out there. I was just joking around with it. But you know how badly Team Europe beat Team World this past Labor Cup. Now you got these four legends, right? Three, arguably three of the best players ever. Um, I joked, would you rather have the 1992 USA basketball dream team with Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Charles Barkley, yeah. the list goes on and on. Or this team, team Europe, right? You you have Rafa, Novak, and Fed, arguably the Larry, Michael, and, and Magic of the NBA. I mean, you saw the domination of this past year's Labor Cup. Do you see it even more of a domination this coming Labor Cup with this team? 
Um, very, very likely. Uh, that's, of course, one of the I have mixed feelings about that, too, because I think, you know, the fans love where, where they love Labor Cup the most is when it's been hanging in the balance, the outcome on the last day. And then, then they change the point total. So there's a chance for a comeback becomes more realistic. Uh, you don't you don't want to see it turn into too much of a route as much as you want to see Andy, Rafa, Roger and Novak all shine in that environment. So. I, I, I am conflicted in that way, but boy, it's a good comparison to 92 and those basketball players. You couldn't be more right. <laughs> we'll see how it unfolds. Um, another big piece of news, and, and you would wish Serena had done this in her preparation for Wimbledon. We don't know the reasons why she couldn't. Maybe she was still a little injured. Maybe she her body wasn't ready, but Serena has announced she's going to enter Toronto and Cincinnati. At least she's on the entry list now before she plays New York. This was one of the things that you were questioning on why she didn't do a couple tournaments. She played doubles in Eastbourne, right? But she didn't play any singles warm-up tournaments before Wimbledon, and you were questioning why she didn't. This seems to be much better preparation going into New York, obviously. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I'm, I'm very encouraged because it shows a series of commitment. It shows that she really does want to come into New York as prepared as she could possibly be, hopefully getting, let's say, four or five, six matches out of those two tournaments, whatever it is, it's going to help immensely for her in New York to have that kind of match play uh, preparation. So I, I, I think it shows that she wants to make a serious bid in New York. It's still going to be very difficult given the, the depth in the women's game right now. But, but thankfully she's giving herself the best chance to succeed or certainly the best chance to make a strong showing. Right. I also want to reiterate something that was that um, was going around this past week was with Novak with the U.S. Open um, and the COVID situation not allowing him to enter. It's to just to clarify, the U.S. Open does not have a policy on this. The U.S. Open is just following the U.S. government's position on international travel for the unvaccinated. So it's not like U.S. Open is unilaterally saying Novak can't play. That's not the truth. The U.S. Open is just following the U.S. government's policy on this. I, for one, hope he plays. I know there's a petition out there. Steve, I know you hope he plays as well. All tennis fans want the best players to play in the most important events. Do you think there's a chance he will still be able to play? I think it's very slim. I think it's very slim because he's been so adamant about not wanting to take the vaccine. So they, they don't have any kind of a compromise plan in motion for that. They don't want to, understandably, the USTA doesn't want to become embroiled in a controversy sim, sim, similar to what happened in Australia when Novak was told he, was, he, he had gained entrance into the tournament on, uh, by, on an exemption by Tennis Australia. And then we know how it exploded after that and all the trials and tribulations he went through. So. I, I get what the USCA is doing in the sense that they want to just be, they, they just want to have a, ser a, 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 po a policy there and a set of guidelines that are very clear that if you're a foreign player, you must have had the vaccine. And so that's why I'm not optimistic because I don't see Novak changing his mind. He's been so clear in his conviction, so adamant, and he's, he's repeated it in recent weeks that and not in, in a defiant way, just that he does not want to take the vaccine. So let me let me flip it. Let me let me flip it, Steve, and ask it this way. Yeah, Novak's not going to take the vaccine. Do you think there will be an exception 
to let him in as arguably maybe the best player, best, best tennis player in the world can play a grand slam. Take off the table that he's going to get vaccinated. Let's assume he's not. Will, do you think there's an exception that he will still be able to play? No, I don't. Because I think they they made their position pretty clear, the USDA. They're going to stand by the government uh, guidelines. Therefore, there's no way they can really, they, they don't have an explanation other than what you just said. We were in deference to the man who's one of the greatest players of all time. We're going to make an ex- Because they'll know that it will then set off an, an uproar, not not identical to Australia, but maybe something similar. So I, I, I don't see that that scenario unfolding at all. Listen, I share your your passion for wanting to see him there. I mean, I believe that Djokovic coming off Wimbledon with any kind of decent preparation in New York and with a record in New York that really is not up to the level he could have achieved. He's, he's won three titles, but lost six finals in New York. So I, and I, but I think he'd be very confident coming off Wimbledon. And yet I just, I just don't see a way that we're going to see him there. And boy, you said earlier, you hoped you were wrong uh, on the labor cup question. I really hope I'm wrong on this, but I just don't see a solution. Got it. Well, yeah, we'll still see how this develops. There's still some time. Um, We'll see. We'll see if the needle moves one way or the other. Um, Also, we have to bring up, and this is an interesting, this was interesting to me, and I'm eager to hear your thoughts. China, the events were canceled in the fall, the ATP. Remember Steve Simon and the WTA beginning of the year when all that was going on? They made a very, very strong decision and canceled their tournaments early, and they didn't blame the pandemic for that. The ATP came out. They did cancel their fall events in China, but they said because of the pandemic. They did not come out nearly as strong as the WTA did. Same result, but very different positions on how they attacked not playing the China events in the fall. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I I, I don't without having spoken to somebody like Gao Denzi or other leading officials at the ATP, it, I, I, I'm a little perplexed by their position there. I think they could have, they could have united with the WTA as the, as the men's players association backing the WTA women's tennis association and said, you know what, we all stand united. And the Peng Shui case could have been foremost in their mind because it could have been it could have been one of their players dealing with a very similar situation. It wasn't, but it could have been. So I'm sorry they didn't add that. I don't mind them saying because of the pandemic, but I would have loved to. I would have loved to have heard them say, but also we stand squarely alongside the WTA. Uh, we, we, uh, they didn't do it. Yeah. And I, that, that was that seemed to be their position from very early on, though, David. They're not changing. I, I think if we were going to have heard from them, it would have been at the outset of this, that whole controversy. And as soon as Steve Simon so boldly stood up and made his intentions clear, that was going to be the time that, that the ATP was going to stand up and let their views be known. But they really didn't do it. So this is not surprising to me. Well said again. Uh, this past weekend, I want to hit on two players. One uh, has has been the highlight of the year. The other we have not kind of uh, one we have not heard from past dealing with injuries, but he's starting to string together some wins now. And that's Dominic Team lost in the semis. Matteo Berrettini, obviously no shame in losing to Berrettini, who then Berrettini wound up losing to Casper Ruud in the final. And Stad, it's good to see Dominic starting to 
uh, play more consistently, one and two, starting to string um, some more W's together. Yeah, very, very, very nice to see it. Berrettini beat him pretty soundly last week, but it's coming. The wins are coming. By the U.S. Open, he, he could be closing in on the top of his game. I don't think he's going to be quite there. I can't see him repeating that 2020 victory, but I think he could be in the forefront. And then by the autumn, I think we could start seeing the very best of teams so that by the time he gets back to Australia, uh, he'll, he'll be very dangerous. I hope if he continues on this path, if what everybody seems to have felt thus far, David, is that the forehand wasn't as fearsome as it once was, but that's coming round. And, and his match playing acumen is coming around. So I, I like what I'm seeing from team and he, he shouldn't be discouraged. Berrettini has been in form. So I don't think that's going to set him back for long. And, and I, I, I really am happy to see the team after a long, dark period and a discouraging one and loss after loss is now finding his way back toward the top of his game. No, I hope you're right. And I hope we see Dominic continue to make progress. Never want to see a player um, struggle with injury for a long, long time. And he's, he's starting to uh, get back to his groove. So that's great. And then the other player we want to talk about, everybody's been talking about him really since last year's U.S. Open, Carlos Alcaraz. He's top five now in the live ranking, Steve. You said you, you've, you've changed your prediction from the year end to say top 10, which you did, and you rightly predicted. You upped it top five, and you said there's a chance he could be even – Number one, there's still a chance. He's top five in the live rankings now. He's number two in the race to Turin. Played a wonderful final against Musetti. And Musetti, for those that don't remember Musetti, he took Novak to five sets in Roland Garros in 2021 and Pass to five sets in 2022. This guy can play on clay. Um, him and Carlos played a, played a great match. I mean, I'll let you talk about it, but uh, Musetti won the first set. Carlos saves five match points to take the second set tiebreaker. Musetti, most players would crack. Musetti didn't crack. He won it on his sixth match point, uh, six four in the third. Great match. Well, I just I I I, I was stunned that Musetti was able to hold off Carlos after the comeback that Carlos made. It was because it was it was a strange match. They exchanged breaks at the beginning, and then Musetti broke him again in the seventh game of the first set, and clearly deserved to win that set. And then he had the break. Serving for the, he was up five three in the second set five four serving for it and that's when they had that little controversy David over a, a double bounce double bounce uh, you know uh, Carlos was really unhappy and made made his feelings clear to the umpire that he thought he was sure it had been two bounces and that you said he had not gotten to it on one bounce but she gave you said he the point uh, based on her observation and that made it fifteen all as he served for the match rather than love thirty and the next thing you know. Uh, he's go, he, he goes to 40-15 and has those first two match points. Carlos gets out of it. Then 6-3 in the tie break for Musetti, and Carlos wins five points in a row. So to make it one set all after being in such precarious positions, I, I thought that Carlos would win the third set going away, maybe 6-2. Right, right. But credit to Musetti. Most guys would crack in that situation. Oh, yeah, and, and that's a great – that says so much about Musetti because the matches you mentioned – him playing against Novak and, and Sitsipas, he was up two sets in both and lost in five. And that was partly his conditioning and partly not quite knowing how to finish it off. And I thought here he'd be thinking some very bleak th thoughts, mm -hmm. but not at all. It came down to that one break in the last game. It was actually Carlos pressed a bit. He choked a bit in the last game and made some really uncharacteristic errors, but it was a great win for 
Musetti. Nonetheless, Carlos with another final. First one he's lost in six career finals. Uh, uh, but it does, as you mentioned, put him in the top five. He's right on Sitsipas's heels. I would just amend to what you were saying earlier about my other projections that I feel even more strongly now that he'll finish the year number one because <laughs> no, Novak has already lost out on all those points in Australia and Wimbledon. He didn't get the 2000 that he should have earned there. And we don't know how much more he's going to play. Rafa is another question mark in terms of how much more he can play the rest of the year, how much he even wants to try to play the rest of the year. Then you have Zara coming back from that terrible injury he suffered against Rafa at Roland Garros. And then you have Medvedev at the top. And you say, okay, he's the one. But on the other hand, he's got to protect all those points that he won 2000 at the U.S. Open. He was in the finals of the year-end championships. He was in the finals against Novak in Paris. So there's a lot for him to protect. We don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to do that. Well, Carlos has very little to protect. He was in the quarters of the U.S. Open last year. Didn't do that much in the fall. So I would say he's in a fantastic position to close this year out, number one, because he also, at his age, barring the injuries, Carlos can play more than those other guys right. and, and, and not worry about it. And it's like the Rafa of 2005. He can just keep playing and playing. And as I really like his chances to conclude this year at number one in the world. Are you surprised, and this is more of a scheduling thing, I wouldn't blame any player on it, but like that there's this clay court event. There, there were these two clay court events going on right now i mean you've just had the grass you're gearing up for the hardcore summer swing which we're, we're in now we got atlanta now then toronto cincinnati winston-salem new york carlos and the, all these guys who are going to ramp up they're going to have plenty of time to play on hard courts I, i'm not saying that they're uh jipping their 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 time to prepare for the open i'm not saying that at all but just the fact that they have these on the schedule this time of the year on clay is a little weird yeah, a little strange, but on the other hand, there was a. I agree, and there's a lot of people balking about it. On the, on the other hand, there's a market for it. You saw Berrettini get to the final and lose to to Casper Ruud in a well played three set final over in Gestad at the same time that Carlos was losing his final to Musetti. So there were two pretty good fields. Yeah. In the same week. And, and the crowds were good. The crowds were good on the weekend too, at least from what I saw. Crowds were good. Berrettini loves clay. Ruud loves clay. Uh, Carlos really enjoys himself on the clay. And then there is still plenty of time between now and the U.S. Open to get in their hard court reps and play all those matches and be prepared for the U.S. Open. So, yes, it's not necessarily ideal, but I'd rather see those tournaments in there with players able to compete th than none at all. And, and I did enjoy watching both of those tournaments very much. Yeah, well, if you're a North American tennis fan, you got a, a wide variety of tournaments coming our way across across all over the land here in the next four or five weeks, preparing, uh, culminating in your home state, New York, and we're all getting excited. So uh, lots of tennis coming up, and it's a lot of television, a lot of, a lot of great matches coming up, and you're going to see uh, still a lot of developments, a lot of what we talked about early on in this episode Um See how it all unfolds. Very, very interesting time right now. It is, David. And uh, I mean, I can't believe the U.S. Open. It's, it's really almost just around the corner now. Before you know, it, we're going to be talking about Canada and Cincinnati. And and then all the players are going to be coming to New York. And it, it's it's uh, it just seems like five minutes ago that we were talking about the Australian Open and the Novak controversy and Rafa's comeback and all of those things. And yet here we are now in the heart of summer 
and closing in on the last Grand Slam tournament of the year. Time flies when we're having fun. I guess that sums it up, right, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hey, we'll, we'll, we're going to do this, I guess, uh, again next week. We'll be the very tail end of Atlanta. Um, talking, maybe previewing the, the, the tournament in Canada, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Looking forward to it, David. A lot, lot of exciting tennis ahead, and, and uh, I, I will be watching, as you will, very intently. Thanks, Steve.